joined by Elizabeth from Conscious Life and Style, and we talk all about building a conscious media empire, as well as how to be a consciously minded, sustainable fashion consumer, beauty consumer, and also all about home and furniture as well. So stay tuned. Welcome to Recloseted Radio. This is the top rated podcast for slow fashion founders. Whether you're thinking about launching a slow fashion brand, scaling an existing clothing brand, or making a brand more environmentally friendly, we have you covered. I'm your host, Selena Ho, the founder and CEO of Recloseted. Each week, I'm sharing my proven strategies or interviewing industry experts. Without any further ado, let's get started. This episode kicks off a new series that we're going to be doing on the podcast called Start Your Sustainable Fashion Journey. And I'm really excited to have Elizabeth be the first episode in this new series. If you don't know who Elizabeth Joy is, she's the founder and editor of Conscious Life and Style, which is a mindful media destination for thoughtful living. Passionate about building a better future for fashion, Elizabeth also hosts the Conscious Style podcast to explore how we can create a more sustainable and equitable fashion industry. She also manages the platform Conscious Fashion Collective, which spotlights creatives, organizations, and ideas paving the way for a more circular, inclusive, and regenerative fashion system. Her Conscious Style podcast is awesome, and I've actually been on twice now. The first time I was on, I talked about how fashion brands can convert to become more sustainable and more environmentally friendly. And then recently, I was on her podcast, and I shared how to launch a successful sustainable fashion brand that makes, at minimum, $20,000. So we'll have all her links down below, so make sure you check out those two episodes that I was on as well. And to accompany your journey to become a sustainable and conscious fashion consumer that is still stylish, I wanted to quickly plug our Recloseted Handbook, which is a 200-page plus ebook that will literally walk you through everything you need to know about the sustainable fashion industry, help you figure out your personal style, help you figure out what you need in your wardrobe, and how to shop more sustainably as well. So we have a list of brands in there. We also have tips around thrifting and shopping and all that stuff. So if you want to check out the handbook, you can do so at www.recloseted.com slash handbook. The link will also be in the show notes. And for our amazing podcast listeners, you can use code podcast at checkout for an additional 10% off. And now let's dive into the interview with Elizabeth. Welcome, Elizabeth, to Recloseted Radio. It's so exciting to have you on and, you know, finally get to talk to you. Yeah, I'm super excited to be on Recloseted Radio. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes, of course. And so for folks that don't know you, do you mind giving a quick introduction and also an overview of your career so far? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Elizabeth, and I'm the founder of Conscious Life and Style, which we say is a mindful media destination for thoughtful living. It's sort of the tagline. And so it sort of encompasses what we do. We talk about sustainable fashion, slow living, eco-friendly home, clean beauty, responsible travel, low waste living, all that kind of stuff. And I had actually originally founded it just as a hobby, like a little side blog to build up my portfolio as a writer because I wanted an internship at a fair trade fashion brand. And so that was back in college and it has evolved so much since then, you know, to give like a short version of my career path. 
basically I started this as a side hustle, no intention of making it a business. And I just like had internships and jobs in marketing and was sort of finding that I really love this side hustle or side passion even more than what I was doing in my job. And so I just continued to grow it. And I eventually started freelancing for sustainable fashion brands and sustainability-minded creators to have more flexibility and be able to work remotely because my then boyfriend, now husband, lived in Germany and I wanted to be able to actually see him. So that was like a big driving force and also just the, the freedom to have a bit more flexibility and Then I slowly transitioned away from freelance work and made Conscious Life and Style my full-time work. And now we have an amazing team of, you know, seven other fabulous women and their contractors, not full-time. We're not that big, but yeah, it's, it's been such an exciting journey, slowly growing Conscious Life and Style. That's amazing. And I want to ask you a little bit more about side hustling because I personally also side hustled and I know a lot of people listening also might be in that situation. But before we get there, do you mind quickly letting us know what sustainability means to you? Because it's such a buzzword and people throw it around and I really want to know what it means to you. Yeah, I love this question because as you said, it's such a buzzword and there isn't really one definition. Of course, there's a definition in the dictionary, but people use it in different contexts. So holistic sustainability to me is not just about ecological sustainability, environmental sustainability, but also about social sustainability or social responsibility. So In the context of fashion, which is sort of the space I operate in a lot, I don't believe that we can call it sustainable fashion if the people making those garments are not being paid living wages and are not working in safe conditions. To me, that is just as much a part of sustainability as the fabrics that you're using. You know, something I say is what kind of industry are we sustaining? What kind of world are we sustaining where exploitation is still a part of the equation? You know, I believe that sustainability is not just about sustaining natural resources and our planet and making it a livable space, but also about building a better, more equitable world. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. And so with that being said, with your now business that you're doing full time, which is so exciting, you're supporting seven different people. How do you try to incorporate that in your business and also in your personal life? Like, How do you try to live a conscious lifestyle? Yeah, absolutely. Another amazing question. And it's something that I feel like I try to consider every day, every week, because I I do believe sustainability is a journey and not a set destination. So just rethinking everything, I feel like, because I do have a business degree, but I, in many ways, felt like I had to unlearn a lot of what I was taught, especially about like marketing and, you know, trying to do things in a way that feels good aligned with my values while also making the business financially sustainable is not easy. And it is like, it's a, it's so many different decisions. And I just feel like every time you make a decision as a conscious business owner, it's just about, you know, how can I, how can I make a decision that has the most positive impact and or least negative impact? I mean, at the end of the day, there are certain things that are inevitable that you don't have as much choice around, but there are other things that you can try to be as mindful as possible about. So for instance, like the wages that you pay, you know, your employees or contractors is typical with independent contractors. They set their rates. 
And, you know, if I believe that rate is lower than what they, you know, what the market value is, you know, I'm not just gonna be like, oh, yeah, like, I'll take that cheap rate, right? No, I like, can you know, pay you more than that, like, it's worth more. And I think that is something that is totally against what like online business entrepreneurs say they're like, you know, find like cheap one, you know, um, one of these contractor websites and find the cheapest possible person, you know, for $4 an hour from another country. And I just don't like that at all. And just totally antithetical to what we're doing. So it's like one very clear instance. And then like what servers we're using for our website. So like the main part of our business is the website is the conscious life and style website as a you know media company and there's only so many options for this basically there's like google servers or amazon servers and you know in, in those cases it's like the lesser of two evils i guess and that's relative but Google uses renewable energy to power their servers, whereas Amazon does not. So, you know, making that switch, again, it's not, these are not like perfect decisions. It's not going to always be easy, but I guess those are just like kind of two examples. And then also what I, the next step that I really want to integrate is making giving back and distributing profit part of our business model. And so, I've only been doing Conscious Life and Style full-time for a year and a half. So we're definitely like in the infant stage. But this is something that I'm, I really, really, really want to embed into our business model. And I want to make a priority for 2023. The priority so far has been like paying everybody fairly and also putting away savings, especially with an uncertain economy ahead, just making sure that, you know, nothing bad has to happen because I have been on the receiving end in my career several times of a company perhaps not being as responsible <laughs> with their finances and then having some fear about my employment, I guess. And I don't never want that for the people that work for Conscious Life and Style. And then in my personal life, this is getting really long. I'm so sorry. In my personal life, again, I think it's just like each decision that comes into my life, just trying to be as thoughtful as possible with it. And like sometimes perfect isn't possible. Sometimes even good isn't possible. But like the best that I can do within my sphere of influence. And, you know, I come from a quite privileged position. I work from home. I work online. I own my own business. You know, my husband is a stable full-time job. And like, so there's a lot more. And I try to just use that privilege for good, right? Like joining our local CSA, so community supported agriculture, supporting a local farm. And this is definitely more work getting more creative with cooking or shopping secondhand for our furniture and home decor. That takes time and not everybody has access to that, but that's like something that I I try to do and just kind of like continuing with that. And I'm sure we'll get more into like the details later. Yeah, I absolutely love it. And it seems like you're very intentional in all your decisions. And I always say this too, like there's no perfect decision, but it's what's best in the moment for your current situation and your finances and your business finances. So thank you for being so transparent and so candid around that. And so you talked a little bit about the conscious life and style, but can you tell us a little bit more about perhaps the services you offer, what your goal is with the platform and with the media company and what that looks like? Yeah, for sure. That is definitely also something that has evolved. I started Conscious Life and Style just to like at first share brands and brand guides because there really was not much around like finding sustainable fashion brands. And the beginning, I feel like like six years ago, there just weren't that many resources. 
And now, thankfully, that has really changed. So we still do have curations of conscious fashion brands and conscious brands in other categories. But also, I think that as it's gotten more and more confusing, I really want to offer more educational resources as well to help people navigate this very confusing space. There's so as I dove deeper and deeper into like slow fashion, conscious fashion, and just sustainability overall, there's so many questions. I mean, there's so many complexities and layers. And so I really want to explore into that and learn and share my learnings and bring on amazing writers who know about their field super well. And they also are educating me and our audience. So that has been like, I think education is like our number one goal at this point. And just to like reach as many people as possible without, without falling into like some of the other some of the common media marketing schemes of just like clickbaity headlines and like things like that it's hard to balance you know trying to reach as many people as possible while social media algorithms and just certain biases in the industry but you know just doing our best to try to reach as many people as possible with in-depth content that inspires and educates Yeah, totally. I love that. And I'm also constantly trying to find that balance from a marketing perspective, because to your point, there is a formula that kind of works, but sometimes it's very cringy and not (laughs) aligned with your values. And so you're like, "Mm, okay, how can I actually apply this to my business in a way that feels good and feels in alignment? And so with that, it seems like you have learned a lot. So can you share some of your biggest learning lessons with the conscious life and style? And also maybe too, I know I wanted to touch a little bit on side hustling. So if you wanted to talk about that here, that's totally fine as well. Yeah, learning lessons. Wow. I mean, I feel like I'm learning every day and unlearning things, as I mentioned, both from a business perspective and from like a sustainable fashion and sustainability perspective. I think that my biggest lesson is that one, I won't know everything and I'll never know everything. And just listening is really, really important. And that's like part of why I started my podcast because I was like, I don't want to just be telling people things. I want to also give a platform to other voices, especially those that haven't been heard enough in the space and just like get their voice and their insights to a broader audience because I feel like when I thought back to, okay, what have I learned the most from? It was podcasts. And I also learned a lot from books, but I feel like on like a daily, a weekly, regular basis, podcasts were just a huge part of that. So I think like learning to listen is definitely a key lesson. And secondly, I would say that the the quote by Aristotle that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts holds so much truth. And I've never witness that more than with having a business. So I guess connecting in with the side hustling part. When I was side hustling, I was doing it all myself. And even before I went full time, I had a partnerships manager. And that was like the best decision I ever made. And then secondly, very soon after I went full time, I hired a virtual assistant. And it might it was scary to do that but i don't think i could have gone full time if i didn't have that support because i just felt like i was spending too much time on things that i that were draining me you know emails back and forth with brands 
it it's a lot of work and i and i love learning about brands doing incredible things but like in terms of the logistical coordination and the pitching and all that like it just that was just so transformative for my business to have a partnerships manager to handle all of that and actually my amazing manager abigail grew the business because she had connections with brands and she was pitching brands. And so like, I guess you might feel like you can't hire anybody until you are full-time yourself. But I think that's a bit of a myth because if you can hire somebody who has the potential to to bring in more money to your business than, than your investment in them, then that can actually help you transition from side hustling to going full-time. And so that was sort of limiting belief, I guess, or just, yeah, as I said, a myth that it had to be like, in this order, I go full time, then hire on. And I don't think that's always true. Yeah. And building upon your point too, I always tell folks to figure out what their personal cost per hour is. So if you're valuing your time at $100 an hour, let's say, is it the best use of your business's budget for you to be writing these emails? If that's the case, right? Like probably not. It probably makes more sense for you to even hire someone at like $50 an hour to do this and pay them. And to your point, if they have connections, that's amazing. And then you can do more revenue generating things for your business. And so, yeah, I love that. And in regards to, I guess, hiring people because you now are working with seven different contractors. How do you find people and how do you also know if these people would be a good fit for you? Because sometimes it's trial and error and it's kind of like trusting your gut a little bit, but do you have any tips there? Yeah, that's such a great question. I think it's sort of been from all different sources. So my manager I had worked with before. And so I knew exactly how she worked. And I had been basically working with her from a brand side as well. And I knew how she interacted with brands. So that was like a very lucky position to be in. I was like, I really like working with her like as a brand. And I also see how she works on the like creator side too. And so I I just really feel comfortable doing that. And then the next hire my virtual assistant was just someone who reached out and was like, I love your platform. If you're looking for an assistant, you know, I'm happy to offer my services and we can do a trial. And so we did, we did a trial and it was amazing. And so we kept going. And then other hires have been just like open applications that I shared about on Instagram. And I think that quite a few have been people who already were familiar with Conscious Life and Style or with my other platform that I manage. I didn't found it but I also manage a platform, Conscious Fashion Collective. So yeah, I think just I personally, for the the roles that I have hired for, most of them are people passionate about conscious fashion as well. That's kind of like, that's a main factor for me. I want someone who's invested in this work, invested in our goals, because I think that both for them and for the the business people, you're going to be happier if you're working, I think, at a company that is aligned with your own values. And I think that the company is going to do better if you hire people that also are aligned with your values and are passionate about it. And, you know, maybe for something more technical, like web development, like a, you know, a web developer or our podcast audio editor, that's maybe not as important. But I think for something like partnerships managing, or especially being a writer for sure, and social media manager, I think certain 
roles, it's really important for them to like get your your mission and be be part of the community, like be educated enough to, to t- speak to those topics, of course. Yeah, totally. That makes a lot of sense. And I really liked your point around someone that is aligned with your values so that they get the mission, they're passionate about it. But then also at the same time, looking at your community and hiring from your community because they're likely already, you know, aligned with your values. They're likely fans of the brand already. So they just get it. And so those are great tips. Awesome. And so with all of that being said, over the years, you've learned a lot and you're continuously educating yourself. But I'm curious to know what some of the most shocking things you've learned about the fashion industry are. And there's so many, but maybe just like your top your top thing or your top three things. Wow. I mean, for sure, there's been a lot. But I, I think that the most shocking and the sort of like most perspective shifting was realizing where clothing waste ends up. And even our clothing donations, you know, only 10 to 20% goes the stat of the clothes that you donate to your local charity shop gets sold in the charity shop and the rest gets downcycled or shipped off in bales to largely countries in the global south, as well as I think in the case of Europe, sometimes gets shipped to Eastern Europe. Just I think, you know, the Orr Foundation has done amazing work around educating people around this and the complex reality of the secondhand clothing trade and just realizing that there is no way for our clothes or anything that we consume. And that was just such a such a wake up call. And I think just that really transformed how I thought about what I wanted to bring into my life, because I just I'm like, there's no easy solution for how to how to make it go away. You know, that there's recycling, but is it really actually getting recycled? There's donating, but is it actually going to someone in need? And so I think that that was the most shocking thing and reframed both on an individual level how I, I view how much I really needed, how much I really need to buy. And then on a more systemic level, realizing just how screwed up the fashion system is. And like the scale of, of waste is just, I think, shocking. It's because it's so visual, it's so tangible. Like you hear these numbers about emissions or water. And it sounds like a lot, but you can't really can't really visualize it. But seeing the piles and piles of waste and all the clothes like in those huge landfills or like washed up on the shores, that is so powerful. Just like it's kind of gets imprinted on your mind, I feel like. Yeah, totally. I'm actually going to be having the founder of the Or Foundation on the podcast. So I think it'll be really great to have her speak to this. But yeah, it's devastating, like just the impact in the global south. And I think in the global north, we will buy something to your point, and we will not really take responsibility for it for its afterlife. And once we donate it, we feel good about it. And we kind of just dust our hands off and assume our role is done. But that's really just the beginning of this huge problem to your point, right? Like it's systemic and it has such a big impact on other people. And the thing that really bothers me is that these countries are now dealing with our trash and, you know, they're not set up to do that. Whereas even in our areas, yes, we don't have perfect recycling systems, but at least we have more infrastructure and we have more budget to deal with it. And so it's just, it's just so awful. But I think the Or Foundation, to your point, is doing some amazing things and awareness and trying to solve things. But just on an individual consumer level, if folks can just take more responsibility, and just be more intentional about what they're bringing in to your point that would also help too and so with that being said are there some top tips you usually give to folks if they're first starting out in their conscious fashion journey yeah this is always a fun question to answer (laughs) 
because it's just so exciting to think about how more and more people are learning about the harms of the fashion industry and want to get involved in some way and want to start to make some changes. And I just find that so exciting and so inspiring. So what I would say is just first, I like just educating yourself a little bit and and understanding the issues of the industry and like kind of what the what the reality is. But after that, I think it's really important to rethink our relationship to consumption. And this is an ongoing journey again, but it's just it's so fundamental to how we operate. Like I think that, you know, why slow fashion brands seem so expensive is because fast fashion has just totally just totally fool this into believing that the cost that they charge for their clothing is the cost that we should be paying for our clothes and it's just not the true cost of what it takes to produce in a way that doesn't harm people and the planet but it is it is more expensive and or shopping secondhand it might take more time but it is a privilege and I'm not going <laughs> to say that it's not because of course it's a privilege but I also think that a lot of us spend more time and money than we think on fast fashion. I mean I spent hundreds of dollars on fast fashion and so 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 many hours shopping at the mall you know back in the day before we had ultra fast fashion and so much online shopping and I think so we're just rethinking our relationship to consumption like are we shopping as a hobby? I literally did. Yeah, I would on a Saturday that was like the go-to activity was just browsing through the mall and picking up some things and is that a healthy relationship to consumption when we consider that we want a piece that hopefully we wear 100 200 300 times and just like walking through the mall and picking up something because it's like you know or nowadays scrolling through and just picking up 10 things because they just look kind of cute and you're looking for something to do another common like consumption habit is going shopping when you're in when you're not feeling so great. I would I had a 9 to 5 job on Michigan Avenue which is like the main shopping street of Chicago and I would walk through Nordstrom if it was a stressful day at work. Again, like not a healthy relationship to consumption. And I think just sort of evaluating that, evaluating your shopping triggers and rethinking your relationship to consumption and rethinking our relationship to clothes, recognizing there is no way and loving, like buying things that we just really love and your size might change, your lifestyle might change. You don't have to keep it like forever. It might not be possible for you, but then are you able to sell it or are you able to swap it or share it with somebody? Like just like really thinking about like, is this a piece that I would want to have in my life or that is worth having in someone's life for the next 30, 40 years? So uh, that might seem kind of like a big jump from fast fashion, which is like three wares. and <laughs> It's like in the trash can, but I think it's a process. And then once you are, once you've sort of evaluated your relationship to consumption, I think just, you know, just trying to engage with it and as responsible of a way as possible, looking secondhand, looking into swapping. Do you, are you just going to need it for one occasion? Then maybe you can borrow from somebody or look into a rental platform. If you can't find it secondhand, is there a sustainable fashion brand that you feel really good about supporting? Different brands sort of like specialize in different things. As you spoke to in your first episode on the Conscious Style podcast, like a brand can't do everything, but what values are most important to you? Is it, you know, circularity and do they take responsibility of like a 
you know, take back and repurposing resale program? Or do they work collaboratively with artisan cooperatives who are sustaining ancestral crafts? Is that really important to you? Is local production really important to you? Is 100% natural fabrics and dyes important to you? Some brands are doing a lot, but like it's going to be hard to find a brand that's doing truly everything. So just, just doing the best that you can with your budget and your time. You might not be able to buy from the most perfectly sustainable brand. If you have a lower budget, that's like, okay, you know, we we can just do what we can. But I think that shopping pre-loved is a great way to, to access, of course, more sustainable fashion, more affordably, or like upcycling brands, I think is also really awesome. There's some incredible upcycling fashion brands that are just turning waste into beautiful art. And I also find that very inspiring. Yes, I love that. And so there was a lot there, but just taking out some pieces around, yes, sustainable fashion can be more of a privileged thing in terms of money and time, but there are things you can do. I always talk about the first and easiest thing you can do is look at your relationship with consumption to your point and really start to curb that because you save money, you save the planet as well, and you can just be more intentional moving forward around what you bring into your life. And I also really liked your point around swapping, borrowing, or renting for those special occasions like weddings or certain parties where you're probably just going to wear that dress once, you know? So so, yeah, there's a lot there, but definitely re-listen if you want to <laughs> soak it in again. And of course, check out Elizabeth's podcast and her platforms too, because there's loads more tips on there, as I know. Yeah, sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming with <laughs> everything that I like throw out. So No, it's great. No, this is great. And so this is more of a selfish question because I am all over sustainable fashion and I'm personally now starting to get more into beauty and more into home. And so I wanted to ask you about some of the things that you've learned in regards to beauty and also home in terms of, you know, some shocking things as well and also what you're personally doing now. Yeah, I think that the biggest thing that I've learned is that there's a lot of parallels. You know, I think that the fashion industry is sort of a microism of the larger problems in our global economy and global societies. And, um, you know, the power imbalances, the waste, the use of toxic materials, the reliance on fossil fuels, all that stuff. It, that's very present in the beauty industry and the home industry and, and every other consumer product industry. So I thought that there was more more protections for consumers and this might be different for like the US versus Canada but I think the most shocking thing was like just the lack of protections in the ingredients that get used in beauty products and also in home products I mean flame retardants were like commonplace chemicals formaldehyde is still in furniture it's wild and you know, I don't know as much about beauty, but we had a contributing writer, Madeline, who also hosts the Wise Consumer podcast. She wrote a post on like 10 toxic ingredients found commonly found in skincare products, which I can send you the link for that because I'm not as knowledgeable about like the specific ingredients in the beauty industry. But that was like a really helpful guide for me. And um, yeah, so I guess just that was a big eye opener. And also I think similarly, the waste, let me pull up the number, but the amount of furniture waste is truly wild. So according to the EPA or the Environmental Protection Agency in the U.S., 37 million tons or 34 million metric tons of furniture was landfilled in 2018 alone. So like in one year, and it sounds like, what? How could it be so high? But we live in an apartment complex and 
literally if not every like if not daily at least every other day there's a new piece of furniture in the dumpster i'm just like it's like not even worn or like <laughs> we actually have taken several things from the dumpster area and used it for ourselves <laughs> because i'm like this is perfectly good stuff it's it's heartbreaking to see it go to the landfill and we could actually use this like we needed uh, some outdoor chairs people there were like two outdoor chairs that were in perfectly good condition they were just a little dirty so we just cleaned it up and now we use them on our balcony <laughs> but sometimes it's really sad because it'll rain and then like there's like a like really nice tv out there that someone had put out or there's like a mattress and then it rains and it's dirty and the t- in the case of the tv it's not functional anymore so that's really heartbreaking is to see that like something that could have easily been reused just is, is now totally unusable because it was left out in the weather and there's just so much furniture waste um it's just shocking and one brand that i find really inspiring is Sabah who they actually have a furniture resale program and they have like an easy to repair program where you can buy the individual components if you need to repair specific parts of your couch or your chair. I would love to see the furniture industry move more in that direction because clothing waste is obviously a big problem and but I think we need also need to be talking more about furniture waste because when you think about like how bulky the furniture is like that's just I mean it's just like it can add up very very quickly. Yes, I love that. And there is a lot there. But just in regards to ingredients, I, as you know, I'm splitting my time between Canada and Europe. And I just think Europe, even though they're not perfect, they're just light years ahead of North America in regards to like what can be in food even and beauty and all that stuff. And I just really wish that this could be more of a global standard, especially with food as well, because this is stuff we're literally ingesting. And with skincare, we're putting it on our skin. With clothing, we're literally wearing it for hours on end. So I just really wish there was more legislation and for people that aren't aware they just assume the government or legislation has their back but they really don't and so you need to take it into your own hands and yeah that'll be great we'll have the link um, to that article in the show notes so folks can kind of go through their beauty cabinet and look at things and hopefully there's not too much of that in there but yeah it was wild I know I'm like going through this whole fragrance binge where I'm trying to get rid of products with fragrance but it's so hard because everything has fragrance in it (laughs) Yeah, yes. That's something that Madeline talks about in that article is how like untransparent the fragrance ingredient is. But yeah, to your point about the differences with Europe and North America, like, so as I mentioned, my husband is from Germany. And so like, he'll see something and be like, oh, that's banned in Germany. I've been learning like, oh, I can't just, I mean, obviously there's still toxic things in, you know, European supermarkets. It's not like it's perfect, but you know, you have to be more careful here. And he's noticing that and be like, oh, wow. You know, up until recently, so this is in a way that the EU is kind of reversing, but like apparently like high fructose corn syrup was not allowed for a while, but now it's like going to be. I mean, I don't know all the specifics. I'm not a food expert, but even that, right? Like high fructose corn syrup is in like half of the products we see at the grocery store. So it's very interesting. Yeah, totally. In regards to the furniture waste, yeah, it's super heartbreaking because if you think of the size of a couch or even, you know, a TV cabinet or something, that's wild. And it's really unfortunate that those people in your apartment complex didn't even think to like sell it on Facebook Marketplace or something like that you know, if it's perfectly fine. So just encourage everyone listening, if there's furniture you're trying to get rid of, try to resell it, especially if it's in perfect condition, because that way you get to make some money back. But then also if someone's paying for it, it means they see value in it and they'll actually use it. So yes, please do that in the meantime. (laughs) 
And so starting to wrap up a little bit, but what is next for the Conscious Life and Style and Conscious Style podcast? Yeah, so we are currently in season four of the Conscious Style podcast, which is all about slowing down fashion. And, you know, for listeners, Selena is going to be on an episode in that season about how to launch a slow fashion brand. So definitely check that out. But yeah, it's been a really, really interesting season thinking about the connections between slowing down fashion and sustainability in fashion. And our upcoming season is like tentatively going to be about fashion and the climate crisis and decarbonizing fashion and all that kind of complexities because I, on a personal level, just have been having so much eco-anxiety lately and eco-grief as well, just feeling very devastated by that. And I just really want to funnel that into into action and, and connect that with the fashion industry. Of course, we've talked about it before, but I really want to focus on it. And also, we are going to have like a conscious question mini series in between season four and season five, answering some of the most commonly asked questions in the fashion, in the sustainable fashion space, like how do I talk to my friends about conscious fashion without feeling like like I'm being judgmental? Just some of the questions that we receive a lot, just taking some time to answer those. And uh, in Conscious Life and Style, just creating more educational resources. I hope to create like an ebook or maybe a mini course, just kind of a medium in which I can dive deeper than I can in an individual article or an Instagram post or a podcast episode. So that's very much in the works, but it's on my mind. Awesome. I love it. And so last but not least, how can everyone stay in touch and support you? And what are all your links? Yeah. So the main link is ConsciousLifeAndStyle.com. And our Instagram is at ConsciousStyle. And then our podcast is ConsciousStylePodcast. And then finally, we have a weekly newsletter called The Conscious Edit, where I share various resources like articles, podcast episodes, documentaries, campaigns to support, brands, and all that kind of good stuff. And that is at ConsciousLifeAndStyle.com forward slash edit. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth. And like she mentioned, I also have been on her podcast previously. So we'll link those two episodes as well so you can check it out. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Selena. This was so fun. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, Elizabeth. And that concludes this episode. If you enjoyed it, please take a screenshot, share it to your Instagram stories, and tag us at Recloseted. Make sure you subscribe to our Recloseted Radio podcast on your preferred podcast platform so that new episodes are automatically downloaded and you don't miss any of our free resources. Lastly, don't forget to rate our podcast five stars and leave us a positive review. That really helps us and continues to allow us to provide this podcast for free. Together, let's write the harmful fashion industry.